Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. Um, want to introduce uh, a very good friend of mine and a good friend of Lightshine Church, the Reverend Nick Warnes. Uh, welcome, Nick. Really good to have you with us today. And just a word of introduction. Uh, most of us probably know Nick, um, but it's not an accident that he's preaching on Pentecost. Um, and Pentecost, a day uh, that we also say and celebrate as the birthday of the church. And so for our context here this morning, um, Nick is a very important person in uh, Lightshine Church's history because I say this all the time, and you've probably heard me say it a hundred times, that Lightshine Church was not my idea. In fact, it was some combination of this wonderful day that we're looking at, uh, the Holy Spirit, and the Reverend Nick Warnes. Probably without Nick, uh, this church would not exist. So we're grateful, I'm grateful for his friendship, his leadership, his mentorship of me when I was figuring out how the heck do we do this, start a new church thing. Uh, well, Nick kind of knew how to do it and was extremely helpful in getting us started. So we're collectively grateful for that as well. Um, and so please, uh, let's give a warm round of applause. Even though he can't hear it, he probably can see it. Uh, but let's welcome Nick Warnes with us this morning. Nick, it's all yours. Thanks, Pastor Rob. Good to be with you all. What an honor. My name is Nick Warnes. I'm married to Whitney. I live in Northeast Los Angeles. We have a son named Lee, um, and I'm the executive director of Cyclical Incorporated and the director of Cyclical LA. Indeed, it's been a gift to be walking alongside Lightshine for so many years now. And overall, I just want to say thank you for your vision, your generosity, and your willingness to continue to participate in starting new churches. While very biased, uh, I do think that church starting is the most important initiative that the church can be taken on right now. And you all have been exemplary in that. So thank you for that. Uh, that said, uh, let me, let's go to our text. Let's start there and then I'll say a prayer and then we'll jump into Acts 2. <clears throat> so here we go, Acts 2. I think we're reading the first four verses. It says this, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Siblings in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Let's say a prayer. Indeed, God, I echo the prayers that we've already been saying, the prayers that people are saying all over the world today, saying, come Holy Spirit. We recognize our need for you, how you sustain us, how you guide us, how you heal us, how you bless us with friendship, how you bless us with depth and understanding and a deeper sense of meaning, what it means to be transformed into the image of Christ. And so bless us as we go deeper into this today and pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. So first things first, here's my goal for the day. I sincerely hope that we all develop a more robust sense of the Holy Spirit in our lives for the purpose of creating flourishing in and around our communities. So 
Before we get into it, a couple of questions for you here, just a brief reflection, even where you are. Think about these two questions. What is the Holy Spirit? I love how Jen talked about it, like uh, like trying to grab jello and trying to catch a raindrop. But for you, what is the Holy Spirit? And probably more importantly, how have you experienced the Holy Spirit in your life? So let's take a minute, reflect on those questions, and I'll jump right back in. Maybe you've experienced God's spirit in a sunset over the ocean or fog slowly rolling over a mountain, or maybe perhaps a thrilling conversation with close friends, maybe in a song or a movie, or in one of your exemplary worship services here with Lightshine Church. Maybe it came with goosebumps, or maybe it came with tears. For me, I'm a tear guy when I'm really engaging with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe just a subtle appreciation of that still small voice that's present. Foundationally, I do want to remind us that the Holy Spirit is real, the Holy Spirit is active, and the Holy Spirit is present and it's with us in so many forms. With that in mind, let's remember that in light of the ascended Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the nearness of God in our life. And I really hope we get to celebrate this well, this Pentecost Sunday. And it's in the spirit of celebration that I want to invite us to consider what engagement with the Holy Spirit looked like at the beginning of Acts 2. Remember that text we just read? Was there a sunset over the ocean? No. Was there a mountain with gentle fog? No. Was there a song or a movie or an existentially thrilling worship service that gave the disciples tingles and allowed them to feel God's presence? Nope, nope, and nope. Here's what there was. There was the sound of a violent wind, not the sound of some beautiful harmony coming from Jeff Bonover, your worship director. I did, by the way, find this picture of him sing sweet harmonies even in his early age. No, there was the sound of a violent wind, not some beautiful harmony of Jeff Bonover. There was divided tongues of fire, whatever that looked like. And the result, which I want us to pay attention to, was this. It was an, equ it was an equipping of this ragtag group of disciples, the ability to speak in other languages for the purpose of translating the good news of Jesus to different humans. This is what speaking in tongues was in Acts 2. And I'm not sure what your preconceived notion of speaking in tongues is, but hopefully this is a, like a sincerely helpful grounding point. Speaking in tongues begins with joining God and God's mission to share in the good news of Jesus with people who wouldn't have otherwise been able to hear it. The disciples were given the extraordinary ability to translate the good news of Jesus to another. 
mean, personally for me, quite frankly, it's what Mark Van Andel did for me. He was part of this parachurch organization. Hold on just a second here. He was part of this parachurch organization, this ministry where I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He was like 25 years old and joined me, a punk 17-year-old who spoke the language of an adolescent suburbanite who grew up steeped in white privilege and translated the good news of Jesus to me in a language that I could understand. Friends, in a way he spoke in tongues for me. He translated to my world from tying lyrics from the Dave Matthews band. Remember that band? Still holds up that band for me anyway. Well, he tied lyrics from the Dave Matthews band to my budding faith. He, he, he used movie references like from Goonies to help me engage with Jesus. All the way to meeting me in my growing discontentment with our comfortable social location. He met me where I was in order that I could understand Jesus for the first time. He would have fit right in with this crew from Acts 2. Mark embraced the Holy Spirit in such a way that he could join me again in my social location and translate Jesus's message of the fullness of life to my pimple-filled teenage face. He joined this tradition of speaking in tongues for the purpose of sharing the good news of Jesus for me. Church, let's remember that in Acts 2, when that wind blew through, that Jesus was gone. Remember that. Jesus had ascended. And what was left was, again, this ragtag group of humans, but now equipped with the Holy Spirit to be able to enjoy the fullness of God and enjoy that fullness with others. And now fast forward 2,000 years later, bada bing, bada boom, here we are today as a result of their work in taking serious God's never-ending priority of joining God's people to include more and more people in the church through the Holy Spirit. I often worry that people don't take the Holy Spirit serious enough. And if they do, I worry that they reduce the Holy Spirit to distinct moments in time where an individual experiences an existential feeling. Maybe you've heard something like this, maybe after a worship service or a conference. Wow, that music was really powerful. The spirit was really with us today. Or wow, that sermon had the Holy Spirit really moving in my life. From my experience, limited as it may be, this seems to be the most common way that people articulate their understanding of the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if we might consider how far that actually is from the day of the Holy Spirit on this original Pentecost. So back to that group of people who are following Jesus in that upper room. I want to note that they did not reduce their experience of the Holy Spirit to some personal existential moment. While they could have in that moment, it was described quite robustly in Acts 2. But rather, they carried it with them into their relationships for the future of not only their life, but the life of the community and the life of the church. And this is key, as it reminds us that this is the tradition that we come from. These are our people, the tongue speakers. This is the trajectory to which all of us are tied. And I wonder 
what being an ongoing part of this Pentecost family looks like for you and for me on a day in, day out, hour in, hour out, minute in, minute out basis, even in 2021. You know, maybe it looks like my friend Mark Van Andel, and you have the acute ability to join others that are in, that are different than you and translate God's gospel with them on their terms. If so, good on you. Let's also remember that how we translate God's goodness takes many different forms. It happens in so many ways, all the way from the mysterious to the concrete. Well, here just personally a few ways that it happens in my life. It can be as mysterious as the creations of artists. I want to note my friend Dia Jenkins. She's a cyclical LA starter and was in charge of a Visio Divina we were doing in a conference. She put this painting up on the screen and we had to look at it just like an Electio Divina, but we did it with a visual painting. And Again, tears is what happens with me. I literally sat there just like bawled my eyes out while I was looking at this painting for minutes upon minutes. The Holy Spirit, thanks be to God for my life, worked through Dia in that moment. Someone I don't know, but I wish I did, is Regina King. She's the director of One Night in Miami. Did any of you see that? Pretty solid movie, lots of Oscar buzz around it. It's a fictional account of one incredible night where icons Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown gather discussing their roles in the civil rights movement and the cultural upheaval of the 60s. Again, directed by Regina King, the movie includes a powerful moment where Sam Cooke figures out that he doesn't have to only sing a bunch of doo-wop kind of music and can actually sing something that matters. He lines up a second song while on a late night show after impressing the audience with the first song. And he tells everyone, oh, this is a new song, kind of want to try out on you. And then he slowly walks into what has become one of my favorite top five songs of all time. I wish I could sing it. I'm not going to sing it. I'll spare you that. The lyrics are this. I was born by the river in a little tent. Oh, and just like the river, I've been running ever since. It's been a long, a long time coming. But I know change going to come. Oh, yes, it will. It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die because I don't know what's up there beyond the sky. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know change gonna come. Oh yes, it will. I go to the movie and I go downtown. Someone keep telling me, don't hang around. The movie then shows this homage of how these men continue to change and find their way in the midst of the changing landscape of the civil rights movement. The song laid over all these images of how they all changed to lead in their own ways. <clears throat> I don't know what it was about the moment in the film, but my wife and I, Whitney and I just looked at each other, steeped in tears, empowered. Again, I would argue by the Holy Spirit through it. So mysterious, mysterious through art. Concrete, there's concrete examples everywhere in my life too. I'm so grateful. Uh, Dan Semino is a part of your church. He's also on the board of the nonprofit that I get to lead. Dan Semino had to miss a board meeting, a recent one, and he had to miss it because he was coaching JV golf. 
You know what, friends? Dan does not need to coach JV golf. Yet Dan, empowered, equipped with the Holy Spirit, is giving of himself in this way. And who knows the changes, the seeds of change, the fruition of change that will be happening as a result of that. But again, for me personally, I love that he missed that board meeting because he's engaging with the Holy Spirit to be in relationship with others. Or how about all of our church planters, right? You all have helped start many of them. There's many more now all over the world. Anytime a church planter takes a risk to form a new community for flourishing in various neighborhoods around Canada, the United States, Europe, now Africa, it's unbelievable. The risk, the vulnerability that these people take on, they do it following the Holy Spirit. And again, personally to me, it really makes it concrete how special that work is and how powerful the equipment of God can be in people's lives. So from the mysterious to the concrete, I feel so fortunate that I get to deeply experience God's love through how all these people translate God's flourishing for me. I'm wondering if you can maybe think of somebody, maybe even in this room right now, whose efforts as a result of being equipped with the Holy Spirit impacts you. I think an important note to remember is that we are all mutual benefactors of the Holy Spirit, working in the lives of others to allow us to remember the resurrection of Jesus and the hope that Christ brings in all of our lives. Maybe you're new to faith and someone in this very room has translated God good, God's good news for you, similar to how Mark Van Andel did that for me when I was first connected with the family of God. Or maybe you get to experience it through others as you continue to mature in your faith further on beyond those first moments. Like maybe you experience it again through a filmmaker, an artist, or a person who gives of themselves in a mysterious way. You know, I was impacted by your pastor, Rob, recently. Uh, so Rob and I were golfing really early one morning. And Rob showed up a little bit later than he normally does. And I was wondering what had happened. And he shows up, you know, kind of in Rob fashion, his head's kind of down, his head shaking. And he said, hey, I feel so embarrassed about what I just did. And I said, what, what, Rob, what, what'd you do? And uh, he had stopped by the, the gas station to get gas. And he saw an uh, adolescent boy there who's clearly experiencing homelessness and was clearly filled with drugs and alcohol. And uh, the, the guy asked Rob, the teenager asked Rob for help. And Rob being Rob, um, didn't think twice about it, helped. Gave him a little money and put him in his car and gave him a ride to where he needed to go. Uh, this is the middle of COVID and Rob knew that this is a no-no. He knew that this would be frustrating probably to me and to others, certainly to his family in light of exposing himself. And I honor that. Uh, but foundationally, this is what I love about Rob, right? This is, you all get to experience this about Rob all the time. He can't help himself, but be engaged by the Holy Spirit to follow where God is prompting him. So the bottom line is this. I think it's that we all need each other to master the art of the translating work of the Holy Spirit for the flourishing of our communities. I mean, you need you and you need you and you need you and you need you and you need you, you need you. And it's in this dense network of speakers and tongues that a church actually thrives with one another in ways that can actually become both transformative and generative.
That's one more thing here. Let's finish here. Uh, maybe uh, you're having a little trouble bringing this idea to the ground. If you're anything like me, maybe you ponder how to embody the invisible God. No small task. How does the translating work of the Holy Spirit actually manifest in my life, in each of our lives? And let's land here just to conclude today. You may recognize this text. It's from Galatians 5. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit is being lived out, this is what happens. You may know it. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness. Generosity, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, and it's self control. So, are you having trouble identifying the Holy Spirit in your life? What the Holy Spirit might be prompting you to do, or even how to experience the Holy Spirit in the life of others? It's this it's love. It's love when love is happening in unlikely spaces, it's joy. It's when there should be no joy left because of the circumstances that life brings, yet there's still joy. It's patience. When all perspectives might say that patience is no longer required, it's kindness to the other. It's generosity in the midst of our hyper-individualistic and capitalist society. It's faithfulness in the midst of cynicism. It's gentleness in the face of power. It is self-control when the weight of the world threatens to steal discipline away from our decisions. You know, it's, it's Dan Cimino volunteering as a golf coach. It's Rob Douglas, unable to say no to a struggling teenager. All of these, all of these stink of the Holy Spirit and our pathways for translating God's unlikely love for unlikely people through our unlikely lives. So back to the goal for today. How do we develop a more robust sense of the Holy Spirit in our lives for the purpose of creating flourishing in all of our communities? Be those fruit. Be those fruit. Engage that fruit of the Holy Spirit. Embody that fruit of the Holy Spirit, not just for your own personal or existential experience, while that's important, but also for the purpose of giving your relationship space to experience the wonder of the resurrected Christ through one another. There are few greater gifts that we are given as God's people than to be equipped with the Holy Spirit to join God in the resurrection of all things. So let's be sure to take this vocation seriously as we celebrate God's Spirit with us today. I need it from you. You need it from each other. You need to equip it to encourage others in your community. So back to those initial questions for you. And let's break out into some quiet time here to reflect on these. I built on the first two. What is the Holy Spirit? How have you experienced the Holy Spirit? And then three additions here. How has your experience of the Holy Spirit helped to translate a life of faith to another? How might you strengthen your participate? your participation with the Holy Spirit. And how about this one? What fruit of the Spirit is most mature in you and what fruit of the Spirit is least? Let me say a quick prayer and then let's jump into that reflection time. Uh, indeed, God, we recognize our need for you. Spirit, breath of life, breathe in us 
certainly for the sake of our own fullness, certainly for the sake of our own enjoyment, meaning, but also for the sake of translating this gift of your spirit with others, whatever form that takes. We welcome you. Come Holy Spirit, interact in our lives, and equip us, empower us into really deep and meaningful mutual relationships with our neighbors, with our friends, with our enemies, with our family, and beyond. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.